Good morning on this Monday, cold ass, 31 degree <laughs> Michigan morning. Uh, the weekend was fun. Uh, I know I've had some things happen. I know I had some stuff that I wanted to talk about um, over the weekend. I, I found a couple of, uh, I just went through my library and found some of my episodes that apparently I didn't, I didn't put down or upload or whatever you want to call it. And so, uh, I did that. So you got a little bit of extra content for your, uh, listening pleasure or just as background noise. But, um, let's see, I've, I've been busy with a couple of things. Writing, I got some good writing done. Oh, last night was, I, as I've, I believe I've said before, is that I have a, a high bar of expectations when it comes to things, especially my own book. And I know that if I can pass my own, <clears throat> that it should be good enough for others. And um, when it comes to this book, when it's finally done, when it's finally over, it's going to be an easy sell. I'm a salesman. And I know that I have to increase my level of salesmanship when the product or service is lower in quality. I think any, any salesman should understand that. I never fucking anybody should be able to understand that. And the easiest sales are those of the highest quality. You know, a, um, a great truck, whatever it may be. You know, if it's the best is the Silverado, brand new Silverado, and it's it's really good. It runs great. It, it rarely has any problems. Whatever is going to be the highest selling truck, and it will be able to demand the highest price because it's the best. Because people want it. You know, that only makes sense. I go against the grain a lot, and I will be with the book of how people do things. I'm going to self-publish um, because everybody is, is going to a publisher. Uh, I mean, I have a couple of thoughts about that. Publishers, publishers can charge up to 65% of, of the, um, the money that you make off of a book, which I just think is insane. I mean, I think anything above 5% is ridiculous because all you're doing is you're you're using as a publisher, especially a big, big name publisher, you're just using the things that you already have in, in, uh, in your cash of, of marketing and advertising. Um, and it's not really going to cause you, cost you any more money. And all you're doing is you're, you're saying, Hey, here's this. And you're putting it where people are. You're putting it in whatever bookstores that you already have contracts with and things of that nature. 
<coughs> so charging as much as they do is it's uh, for something that they had nothing to do with, mind you. Um, a lot of publishers, and I can see this, you know, they uh, they have deals with whatever bookmaking company. Um, so that okay, well that's that's now part of the price too. Is that we're gonna make your book, and maybe we'll have an editor. So that yeah, some do have a lot of uh, of tools that that they then can charge more for um, editing, making the book, and then marketing and advertising. So to some degree, I can understand why. Uh, the percentage would why they would charge as high as they do for a percentage but what I see it as is I could do all of that I can edit my own shit all that means is that you're reading through it and you're finding any mistakes you're making sure that it it sounds good and, and I don't understand why you would ever use an editor anyway and I'm, that might sound like something stupid well you've never wrote a book before well, yeah I'm in, writing one right now but I do know Especially as, as simple as being a comic book fan and having read X-Men and, and that being my, my favorite comic book series and those being my, my favorite characters and seeing it go from what it was in the comics to the movies and how much of a, a letdown it was. I mean, to the point where I was disgusted with what I was seeing and seeing all the things wrong and... And it always goes. It, it always goes back to what my liberal leftist cousin said uh, about his abstract art. I, as an artist, have always certainly turned up my nose because I take it as an insult. Somebody who is an abstract artist, because you're not good. You're not good at art. And what he said was, "Well, art doesn't need to be verbatim." And I wrestled with that. In my head, I'm thinking, no, it, it, I get the point to the extent of it doesn't have to be exactly like what it is you're painting or what it is that you're drawing or what it is that you're sculpting. But it needs to be pretty fucking close. Uh, you know, just throwing, like Jim Carrey's art is shit so bad it's so bad and that's his best that he's got that's the best that he'll ever have he's not an artist oh he's got some skill no he doesn't he doesn't have skill everybody has that skill everybody has that very basic way of making a, a stick figure or you know putting putting the the paintbrush to the the canvas and making something kind of Understandable that what you're drawing, you know, making a dog or whatever. In, in a lot of cases, you're like, yeah, that was a dog? Yeah, that's a dog. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and we can all see it because I believe that we all have the basic understanding of what it is that it should be. And in art, you're, you, you are mimicking what it is that you're seeing. I take the, the best artists and I try to, I, maybe I'm projecting, and I'll, I'll admit it's such, but you have Michelangelo 
in the Sistine Chapel and you say, okay, take, take what he did with his art. Oh, fuck, what the hell is going on here? Sorry, I'm driving. I don't know what these guys are fucking doing on the route. What are you doing on the route? Oh, there's a cop car, too. Um, oh, there must have been an accident. And uh, what was I going to say? Oh, if you if he saw that, if he saw Jim Carrey's art, quote-unquote artwork, motherfucker. They're not going to let me fucking go south. God damn it. What happened? Is there any signs? There's no signs? Um, fuck, I don't know what I'm going to do. Do I got to go fucking... Oh, man. Well, this is gay. Oh, I know what I can do. Never mind. Um, that's going to be a little longer than I wanted it to be. I mean, it's right at... Oh, God, this is going to suck for people. At least I know where I'm going. Um... I think he'd give him the finger. <laughs> like I kind of feel like, like Leonardo, or, uh, Leonardo da Vinci or Michelangelo might fucking punch Jim Carrey in the face. <laughs> They'd be so angry. They'd be so insulted that they paint that they painted and did the sculpting and whatever that they did, and, and then Jim Carrey comes out and go, "That's this. Here's my art." And they'd go, you're, that was your kid, right? Your kid has, an, your five-year-old has, has your skill, obviously, so they, they painted that. And he's like, no, that's mine. And he goes, I'm sorry, what did you call that? And he said, that's my art. They just fucking punch him in the face. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> Are you really trying to pretend that your shit's on my level? <laughs> yeah. I think they fucking throat chop him or something little motherfucker. Uh, man, that sucks. I can't go down. I'm a little bummed right now because it's going to take me another half hour to get to where I'm going. Anywho. Um, shit, where was I going? I really branched off on that. Art. My expectations. Oh. Anyhow, back to what I was talking about with the, my, the book is that it is, it is surpassing my expectations to the point where I have a hard, time, a hard time saying that I came up with it. Now, I'm not saying that God speaks to me. Well, I, I feel like he did speak to me directly, and I feel like he speaks to everybody directly. Um, and God's voice, you got to understand, isn't, isn't like you, it's not like you hearing my voice right now. You know, you have to understand in, in terms of vibration and uh, and how he created the earth and and uh, looking throughout the Bible every time that you hear about God's voice it's with the exception of the transfiguration it's it sounds like thunder and revelation and uh, when uh, Jesus is baptized throughout the Old Testament it sounds like thunder you know which is vibrations 
he said, uh, let there be light. Um, he created the earth. You know what I mean? So there's, he, he created everything through vibration is what I'm getting at. And, and also that his voice, it's not the same. It's like, uh, fuck it, I'll get into this. Um, aliens. Aliens do not exist like you think they exist, like they're from another planet. I mean, could they be? Sure. But aliens aren't what you think. Aliens are the fallen. They're the fallen angels. Okay? Look at all the aspects of an alien. Um, look at their spacecraft. And I'm not saying that, a, that a, um, an angel needs a spacecraft. But what I am saying is, and this is not just my thought. This is the understanding that I had when... Um, when listening to the people that I have who, and these, I mean, these are PhD holders and shit, who studied all of the, the film and video, I'm sorry, film and, and, uh, and, and, uh, pictures and, and listen to all the people with the, the eyewitness accounts about aliens, spacecrafts that move at what, 700 miles per hour. And then turn, hit a, a 90 degree angle and are going right at the same speed. Uh, nothing that we know of can can do that. Hold on, time again. Oh boy. Excuse me. Sorry. I'm sorry if that was so loud in here. I, I apologize. <laughs> Um, nothing can within the realm of physics can can operate can, can there be a, a, a body in that spacecraft and operate that and survive going nine, 700 miles per hour 900 miles per hour however fast they're going and then hit a right a, a 90 degree angle and be going 90 900 miles per hour again. Nothing within the realm of physics can do that. What would happen is, as soon as they hit that right angle, as soon as they fucking stop like they do on a dime to change degrees, you, you just go through and look at some of the, the video of uh, spacecrafts doing this. The, whatever body is on the inside of that craft would fucking fly through. It would fucking bust out the side of the spacecraft. Um, a lot of these guys that I've talked to, I mean, go to the sci-fi conventions and shit. And uh, not like the TV sci-fi, but the actual sci-fi, like UFO conventions and shit. You'll hear it. And I mean, it, it's logic and reason and rationale, common sense, all the things that I talk about. Um, nothing could survive that. The only thing that could do that is spirit. Long story short, these are spirits. These are malevolent spirits. They're not malevolent. Is it malevolent? Benevolent. Sorry, they're not benevolent. I always fuck that one up. They're not benevolent. They're malevolent, which means evil. These are the fallen angels who are out to deceive and trick us into believing that. And, and when you really get into like this conspiracy research realm about aliens and things of that nature... Um, it is going to be, if they're, if they ever fucking pull the trigger on this, 
it is never going to be what you think it is. All right? It'll be the threat of an invasion, and it will be an attempt to unify everybody. It's going to be, it's a, con, it's a contingency, because right now they're dividing everybody. Look at all the ways that they divide everyone. Look, and who I'm talking about is the Illuminati. The Illuminati, the New World Order, whatever you want to call it, it's the same thing, okay? These are the most powerful people, all right? Not a lot of people, not a lot of groups exist that um, at this point are as powerful as they are. I mean, you have the White Dragon Society that's out in, uh, in China. Uh, there's a, what is that guy's name? Lum, Lum, Lamford? Lam, Lambert? Look into, uh, on Google, there's a, uh, the White Dragon Society, and then there's an American, his name is something, it starts with an L. Ch Charles Lambert? Anyway, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll uh, read through my shit again and, and, uh, and, and let you know. But, uh, anywho, when they talk about aliens and people who have been visited by aliens, they say that the aliens don't speak like I'm speaking to you. But they speak to them and it's an understanding. Well, this is spirit. Your spirit can understand what the spirits say to you. And in the same way, when God talks to you, it's an understanding. So maybe you've been missing it. Maybe you've just understood some, st some stuff that God was saying to you. You didn't know how you understood it, but you understood it. And you didn't recognize it as God talking to you. Maybe you're an atheist and you didn't want to. Maybe you're a, a, a Christian skeptic and you just didn't, you didn't know how, uh, how to understand that it was God talking to you, okay? Yes, do I believe that God talked to me? Yeah, absolutely. When I talk about going through the, the church doors and that profound understanding, I mean, it was, if you've ever had somebody tell you something and it, and it blows your mind or it, it they say it in a certain way that other people have said it before, but it's never quite—it's never quite made sense. But this one time, this one person said this one thing, and all of a sudden, it—all the pieces fit together. That's what I'm talking about. When God spoke to me, it was—it was a profound. I don't want to—I don't want to keep saying it and really fucking take away from the word. Um. It was profound how I understood it right away. This is where I want you. You know, this is your home. Cool. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. I'm going out from here. And I mean, that being said, I later on in life, what almost almost ten years later, I went through watching the Zeitgeist movie and losing my faith and. You know, going through that whole thing. And that, I think, was just God saying, all right, you know, it, this is going to be um, a process to get you to, to be better than you were before. And all of that, all the way back to the book, again, I don't think I'm coming up with a lot of these ideas. 
Now, when you read the book, there's going to be cuss words in it. It's just like you hear me hear me talking about it today. Now, there's a purpose. When it comes to the book, do I want? You know what? I'll I'll uh, I'll explain it after the book's out, and then hopefully it'll make more sense. Just understand, and yeah, this is a little cryptic. It's truth. It's truth, okay? I'm not saying that the, my, my book is, is the, the end-all, be-all or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's truth. I'm guided by truth, okay? So, uh, yeah, anyway, last night, I mean, I had some fucking... Sometimes, like, sometimes it's so hard for me to, to, uh, to write... Because I'm just like, how do I get out of this place that I put myself in? And I'll end up just pushing past it, and then maybe I'll scrap that entire idea. I'll, I've writ, I've writ, I've wrote a whole bunch, and then just scrapped it all because I didn't like the way it was going. It was too easy. It was too. Oh, anybody could write that, you know? A, a fucking a ten-year-old with a, a simple understanding of Adam and Eve could could have wrote that. I don't want to get off on this. And I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm hard on myself and I'm, and I expect a lot out of myself. Like I said, I mean, you got to understand my, I've watched, I can't tell you how many movies and especially horror movies and been let down. The horror movie genre is, is ripe for the picking. You know, you come in with a good story and a fucking a home run ending and you will be loved you will be a legend you know that's what that's what Halloween 1 was that's what A Nightmare on Elm Street was that's what and this is unique is uh, Friday the 13th 1 and 2 they had something that could carry over to the next movie and make it incredible now you might not think, and I'm not saying that my level, I'm not saying that my level of ex, or, uh, of uh, expectation is like, oh yeah, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street passed it. I'm just saying that these stories were unique. They had a decent ending, and they were the first to do it, and it's what made, it's what set them apart. I, it, a Nightmare on Elm Street isn't my favorite. I think it's a little lame, but it's a cool idea. Um, you know, back in, at that time. Nobody was coming up with that idea. Same with uh, <coughs> um, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th one was about the mom. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you didn't watch it, the mom was the killer. And then Jason was the killer in the next one, Jason Voorhees. That's what I'm talking about. It set itself up so well that, that the mom was the killer. And you don't, most people don't even realize that. If you say, if you were to say, you know, Friday the 13th, the first movie, most people would be like, oh yeah, Jason's in there. No, no, her son died and that's why she was killing all these campers and she blamed the campers. That's what's so incredible. And then the next movie was about Jason. And, and I should also point this out. He didn't have the, 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 uh, the hockey mask. It was a potato sack because he had a disfigured face. 
He had a dis, uh, uh, and I would say it was fucking scarier than the Jason mask. He had a, uh, he had a potato sack with a fucking hole cut out for his eye. And he was still fucking people up. And then you have Michael Myers. Um, now they've really, they've really kind of went to different places with it. It's my favorite one. I think it's just the idea of it, especially at the end of, uh, of the fifth movie and the, the secret society of, I think it's of Thorn. Um, Anywho, I'm getting too far into that. What I'm saying is, is that the the horror movie, the horror horror movies have really let me down. Not a lot of them scare me anymore, and that's maybe another part of it is that it, it I like being scared. I was introduced to it at fucking four years old. You know, I was getting the shit scared out of me watching Chucky and all that shit. I mean, Chucky was a pretty interesting idea too. They just they they take them too far because they set themselves up with the first movie that can make them a legend. Instead of just going, well, with the exception of uh, John Carpenter. Well, I can't remember his first name. I think it's John Carpenter. Um, and him making The Thing and a whole bunch of other scary movies. Um, everybody kind of went, okay, well, this is going to be my, my, what is it, a money cow? Where I'm just going to squeeze it until there's nothing left to squeeze and apparently piss off my fans by making fucking Jason X. Or, a, or a, a Nightmare on Elm Street, a new nightmare. You know, it's like, or Halloween 3. <laughs> like, luckily for Halloween, they came back with 4 and 5. And it was, it was just kind of a new story. They got rid of Lori and, and had, I think it was her daughter? Yeah, I think it's her daughter in 4 and 5. And then you have all the, and then they just fuck it up. I cannot, dude, I cannot stand where Marvel and DC and uh, Halloween and in stories like that, they just come up with something new. They come up with a universe. And I think for DC, is it 696? Is the, if it's 696, by the way, that's, that's you know what they're doing with that, right? I, I think I'm getting the number fucked up. It might be 273 and, and in Marvel, it's like, 198 or something dumb like that. It better not be 696. You know what 696 is, right? It's just an upside down 6. So 666. See what I mean? I don't think it is. I think it's like 293. I got all these dumb numbers in my head. But they make a universe in where there's infinite universes. <coughs> um, I hate that. Because all you're doing is you're giving your yourself a way to to be lazy and start writing something else. I, I've, I've hated that since I first found out about it, which is always from a, a snobby asshole, you know? Oh, well, the reason that they, that they made the movies the way that they did is because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and it's different from the other universes and it's, it's like, that is so goddamn gay and lazy and it just, it takes away, it waters it down, you know. I'm setting it up so that this book, now, I, I don't ever want it to be remade. I don't, I don't want somebody, can you imagine rewriting a book 40 years later? You know what I mean? That's what they're doing with movies. They're, they got another Robin Hood out. And by the way, Robin Hood is a cunt. Robin Hood is not a good story to tell your kids. All right, because... 
in some versions of the story, Robin Hood is taking from the evil rich, the evil rich, and giving to the poor. Well, what are you doing? Even then, what are you doing? Why aren't you fucking working with the poor to set up their own business? Well, they live in a monarchy, so there's a little, a little difference in that. But um, you're, you're teaching your kids that it's okay to take from one group of people and the excuse is because you subjectively call them evil and you give to the, you just give it to the poor. Well, why do you think the poor is poor? Well, it's certainly in a monarchy. It could be that they're being, they're, they're, they're causing them to be poor. That could be, sure, I'm not going to argue against that. But what are you telling your fucking kids here in the States? You're, you're instilling in them that if worse gets to worse, you just go and you take from, from people to give to yourself. It's just a bad all-around story. Anywho, they're making another, or they made another Robin Hood. It's like, why? What are, is Hollywood so lacking of good writers and good ideas that they just, they have to keep remaking shit? Yeah, it is. It's disgusting. It's like, what the fuck do we need to know about? How, and by the way, all they're doing is making it, it's, a, it's the Green Arrow movie just set back in the fucking 1500s. It's so dumb. It's like, he's he's this, he's Green Arrow. It's stupid. And then Jamie Foxx is in it because I don't know why. It's just, it's so dumb. And I think it's back before they had slaves. But they have black people everywhere. That's that's got everything to do with uh, affirmative affirmative action in Hollywood. What are you against black guys working? No, but you know when it comes to the times, how about you be accurate? Is that too much to ask? You know, you already did a Knight's Tale, which was cool and it was a great idea. You know, you're adding these newer nuances to an older old time story. You know, something that's back in the the 1600s or something and you're adding that there's this girl who is a blacksmith which really never happened but whatever say that it did all right i'm not too mad about that and she's making your armor and she puts the nike swoosh on it you know it's like oh okay i see what you did there it's kind of clever it's kind of cool and it's the best armor out there so he can move around and win his battles so it's kind of cool but you already did it so it's really just somebody who's watching the Green Arrow and a Knight's Tale and says, uh, let's mix these two together and make the, the, the Robin Hood. And it'll be awesome. It's so gay, man. It's just, it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, you really think highly about your story. I do. Again, I've got a fucking high expectation. It's got to surpass mine in order to make it to you. And that will always be the case. That will always be the case. It has to surpass mine. And as good as I, and and I understand, because I study this shit, I understand what happens with the firsts. It's raw. It's new. It's where you're going to get the most mind-blowing shit. 
Think of any band that has ever come out that's that's made it. Let's let's talk Corn when they first came out, or Rage Against the Machine. All right. Let's talk 50 Cent or Eminem when they first came out. You'd never known them before. Well, you kind of knew Vanilla Ice, but these were people who were raw, who you who who you'd never you you don't get it. And this goes into what I talk about when I say that human beings have an infinite ability to normalize the extraordinary. Okay, and the extraordinary doesn't necessarily have to be the most mind-blowing thing in the world, but extraordinary, extraordinary, being a white rapper from Detroit who raps really fast and apparently to other people really good. I think he's shit. I think his lyrics are fucking garbage, but... That's me, being a little. I also don't like him, and I don't like the fact that he goes at, that he went after nothing but women and, and guys that he thought he could beat up and, and Moby, you know, not fighters. So I'm kind of I'm always been salty at him for that, and I hate the fucking gangster mentality. It's pussy. It's stupid. I hate it anyway. So when he first came on, he was everybody looked at him and was like, oh my God, I've never seen that before. You know, this guy that can hang in with other black guys, you know, and people were kind of blown away. That's what I'm talking about. The Matrix. The first time you saw The Matrix, did you fully understand what happened? I didn't. I'll be completely honest. Same with Fight Club. When you first found out that Tyler Durden was his, was him, was, uh, God, why can't I think of his name, that, that Brad Pitt and uh, Edward Norton were both Tyler Durden. Did you fully understand it? It takes, it, that takes a fucking a psych major to have figured that out beforehand. Well, I'm not a psych major and I got it. Well, maybe you should be a psych major because that's fucking impressive. I didn't. The, the fifth, or not the fifth element, although it was a badass. Uh, I love the fifth element. I could watch that any day, at any time. Background noise is fine. It's awesome. Um, the Sixth Sense. That's weird. He needs to make a one, two, three, and four movie, too. Right? He's in the fifth element. He's in the sixth sense. Get it? Anyway. Um, where was I going? The Sixth Sense, the first time you saw that and you realized that he was, you didn't get that right away. When that ring finally rolled on the floor, you're like, what the fuck? And then he's looking around and you're like, oh my God, he's dead. Yeah, me too. All right. The second time you watched that, how did you feel? You knew it was coming and it wasn't mind blowing anyway. All right. How about, how about the next Matrix movie? You're kind of expecting. You know they tried fucking with you, right? If you watch the second Matrix movie, what he's doing with the architect is essentially what you were supposed to go through when you went through him going into the real. It was supposed to be that mind-blowing. It's just a lot of people didn't understand all the jargon that was spoke, all the big words. And that's what I'm talking about. I watched that and I knew exactly what he was doing. I'm not saying because I have some kind, I'm some kind of better person or anything. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, I'm pointing out, yeah, I understood what he was saying. He was trying to blow your mind. He was pointing out Neo wasn't the only one. There's been numerous the ones. 
And this same scenario has been done over and over and over that keeps leading to this. Zion is almost dead because we've, we've destroyed all these other places and we've won. We've defeated the one numerous times. That was supposed to be mind-blowing, but it wasn't. I would argue, in some sense, because you've already normalized it. You've, you've already normalized the story, which is extraordinary, and that part was extraordinary. What they were saying, that was crazy. To some point, yeah, maybe it's because you didn't understand it right away, and maybe your mind would have been blown. But your mind had already been so fucking blown to the fact that what what they were living in, much like us, isn't real. It's a computer simulation. That's extraordinary. And we normalize the fuck out of it. Holy God, it's hot in here. Woo! Oh, it's up to 34. Shit should start melting. You know. But, uh, fuck, where was I going with that? Yeah. Human beings have an infinite ability to normalize the extraordinary. That is a unique thought by me. That was a thought that I wrestled for for a long time before I could finally describe it, what I was trying to think. And that's it, you know? But I understand... Oh, that's where I was going. I, know, I understand that when you first come out, you're new. You don't... Nobody can, nobody can normalize you because... They've never seen you before. I know that that's going to be in effect with the book. So I know that my next book, after that, you're already going to be normalized to the story. But I have to keep it up on some level to, to keep your interest before, you know, before it gets to the fifth book and it's all done at the end of that book. And that's, that worries me. That scares me. Will I be able to do that? Will I be able to continue on with all of the ideas that I have? And I mean, I do. I have a lot of ideas. I've already got the ideas for book three, book four, and the, I have the finality of the entire story already written. I have the final fucking word of the, and it's not the end. I have the final word of the entire book already ready. And that's what's going to bring me the success. That's what's going to make the book good throughout the entire thing is that I already know, I know where I want to end it. I know what the ending is going to be. And it's going to make the book good. It's going to make it so that I have to stay up on this level because I think if you write from the beginning and then go in, that you're, you're, you have like a, um, man, what are those tests? It's like when you go to take the National Registry for shit, you got to take this computer test that gauges how many, how many you, you get right. So it kind of says, all right, well, if you've only gotten one wrong every so often, then you know your shit, and then it'll cut off pretty quick. But the more that you keep getting wrong and then right and then wrong and then right, it'll go on forever. Starting from the beginning... If you start, if I started from the first word in the first chapter of the first book and started writing like that, then that's what it would be doing in my head. 
it would just be this like this uncertain gauge as to where I'm going to end at the at, you know at the end of it. So I would argue if you start a book, and I think it's probably the best advice I could give, have the ending first. Know what you want the end to be, and then write from there. Almost write backwards. You're almost creating a reverse engineering aspect to it. So that's that's in part, and I think that's pretty fucking brilliant. Um, that that being a, a winning formula to to write a, a good story. Oh, and uh, yeah, in, in the horror, the uh, well, not just the horror, but a lot of movies, but mostly in horror, it's the ending that can ruin the entire thing. And I've had so many stories that have been ruined because I had I had such high hopes, and then it it was dashed to pieces when it was you know shown to be a shitty ass story. I've had that happen so many times that I finally when it came to me writing my book, it was like, no, I'm going, I'm going to make it good. And this was, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like I purposely knew what I just told you to, to write the ending first. I think it just kind of came naturally and I'm lucky that it did. So, wow. So that was a lot of talking about my book for 41 minutes and 16 seconds. So let's see, besides that, what else happened this weekend? Man, there's a lot of stuff. There's some good, there's a lot of good stuff that happened. Well, Michigan's 10 and one for the first time in um, probably since what, 2003? So pretty happy about that. We're about to go into the Ohio State game where they're, I believe they're gonna beat their ass. I think Michigan's coming in and they're gonna fuck them up. And then uh, I could only assume that the first, well, then they have to play the national or their uh, their conference championship against um, Northwestern. It's definitely going to be Northwestern, and I think they'll beat them again. And then we have to play. Then it would go into the playoffs, and I would they they should put Michigan up against Notre Dame first round, first leg, and then whoever's the winner of Clemson, Alabama. I think Clemson, Alabama needs to figure themselves out and then Michigan, Notre Dame needs to go against one another. I'd love to see that. <coughs> Get the rematch over and have at it. So. And if any team can do it, I believe Michigan can win out. They had a little, they had some struggles with Indiana. And yes, I. this is the thing, dude. When you watch when you watch sports, look at it as I'm telling as I'm saying it. Not and I'm not telling you that as like a command. You need to do what I tell you because I'm a dictator. I'm just saying, try it. I understand that sports don't matter. They absolutely don't matter. But they're entertainment, and I think that's how you should look at it. Sports aren't going to stop a war. They're not gonna they're not gonna bring together a nation. They're not gonna do any of that shit. Okay. By its nature, it is divisive. You have two teams that go against one another. You know, it's divisive. Oh, that's what I wanted to get into is divi- divisiveness. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Michigan's gonna Michigan's gonna do good. I think they'll win out. They could. I think if any team can do it to win out everything, besides Alabama, uh, I believe it's the the uh, Michigan Wolverines. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with my entertainment 
team. And then on to divisiveness. Now, I just got done listening to Owen Benjamin do a really good part. I, I actually listen. One of my favorite things to do when I write is to listen to um, documentaries on conspiracy theories and, and things of that nature. I watched The Age of Deceit 2. I watched another one called... Uh, I got to finish up The Age of Deceit 2. It's really fucking good. Age of Deceit 1 is great. Uh, Endgame by um, uh, Alex Jones. Like, talk all the shit you want about Alex Jones. That dude knows how to make a documentary. He knows how to make some good fucking films. And he put it all out free. Well, that's propaganda, and it's all for... He's controlled opposition. Again, if he's controlled opposition, dude, he's working too good. He's working way too good. He's woke up way too many people. He is... Uh, yeah, he's, way, he's woke up way too many people. Anyway. Um, what else? I watched this other one that was Twin Peaks. If you've ever... Like, I had... I struggled through the first couple of episodes of Twin Peaks. I'm still not... I gotta see if I still have it on my Netflix. But, um... It's... It's... I don't know, man. I, I know that it was pretty popular amongst its fans, I guess. But uh, it's just, it's hard to watch. And the one fucking dude that was in there, the one agent who was also the bad guy, or not the bad guy, he was a guy that was snorting coke off the girl's tits in, in, uh, in RoboCop, in the first RoboCop with the bald hair guy. And um, he got killed by Red from that 70s show. <laughs> you gotta watch it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he died in real life, so I don't, they're not going to be able to make any more, um, Twin Peaks with him anyway, but, uh, they remade the Twin Peaks last year, and I started to watch it, and it was just too, I don't know, you got to pay too much attention, I guess, and that's, that's a lazy thing to say, but it's just, I don't know, I never really got into it, but I, I still want to, you know, and I can't wait till they bring the X-Files back on. Netflix so I can watch that from uh, I started watching it from the beginning because I had always watched it the different episodes at different times and um, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to see it all the way through so that the story made a little bit more sense I did finish up um, X-Files last year and they uh, fucking I don't know man his son isn't his son it's her son and and his dad's the smoking guy's kid. It's just... It's kind of weird. A little odd. What the fuck is going on with these people? Uh, get over, dude. State troopers pulling a lot of people over in the middle of the month. Oh. Oh. Um. Scusi. I can't, I, I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, no, that's what I was doing. Is, uh, the Twin Peaks documentary. Now I'm going to watch it. Like, I watched it, and uh, it went into some, some real fucking sick shit, but now i got to watch the, uh, the television show because there's a lot to it. And uh, it talks about, like, Stanley Kubrick. It, it was, like, it was uh, Twin Peaks, Stanley Kubrick, who made Eyes Wide Shut. He also made The Shining made a couple of other movies and I guess he died I didn't realize that um, or maybe I heard it and I just didn't it didn't really matter because I don't really 
He made 2001 A Space Odyssey. There's another documentary about that, how it's like the, uh, is it the uh, Agenda Agenda 21, or not Agenda 21, it's uh, the New World Order Agenda or something like that. So, uh, so I watched those last night while I was writing, and they were, they were, um, there's something else. I would suggest watching them. But over the weekend, I did realize as I was still, I'm still dealing with the responses from John Fugel saying and his bullshit on Christianity. Like, if you want to talk about controlled opposition, there you go. Like, that motherfucker is, uh, he's really trying to lead people astray. I don't believe he is doing that out of the goodness of his heart that he just honestly sees it as that. It is such a divisive thing. And if you look at it, right, one of the reasons why I'm not a Republican is I don't want to play in part to this... um, Oh, that's where I wanted to go. I don't want to play a part of the divisiveness. There's a guy, Michael A. Wood Jr. Michael A. Wood Jr. He's an ex-Baltimore police officer, ex-detective, ex-Marine. I had, he had been on the Jesse Lee Peterson show. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast, too. And he was talking about institutional racism. I do not believe in institutional racism, and I think he still does, and me and him would differ on that. Um, I think I might have talked on this podcast about it, um, or it might have been my last one, but I was fucking pissed at him, especially how he went after Jesse Lee Peterson and how he conducted himself. Um, but he went on Jesse Lee Peterson's twice, and that was like a year two years ago. Well, he came back. I mean, he was the most rude person when he was on Jesse Lee Peterson's because he saw him as opposition and he went after him. And it was just the this most, like, he didn't look to me like a Marine. He didn't look to me like a police officer, or at least how he was reacting and responding to Jesse Lee Peterson, um, who I know can, can be a little incendiary and can say some things that might piss somebody off. But I respect Jesse Lee Peterson. To be able to say the shit that he does and not back off of it, not get emotional... He just says it. And he's right, mind you. He's right. He may not say the most intellectual and the, and the most intellectual thing. The vast majority of the time, he's right. There's some things I differ on with him, like that Christian, Christians don't sin anymore after they become Christian. But he's helping out people more than any of these. Any, and this is where I saw John Fugel uh, saying that. was his last Politicon, was the panel that they were on. You know, um, and John Fugel saying that he just didn't listen to anything that Jesse Lee Peterson said and regurgitated the same recycled fucking bullshit speech that he's been doing for the past 10 years, which is mo- far more incendiary. He's, he's, you know, to say that Jesus was, and I called him out on it and he didn't really fucking, he stopped responding after I caught him in his bullshit. Saying that Jesus was was uh, nonviolent, I'm like, no, he was not nonviolent. He didn't fight all the time, but he went in that temple with a fucking whoop and lit motherfuckers up. God is not nonviolent. Jesus is not against violence. 
Okay, this idea that he is this wimpy, skinny, nonviolent, peace-loving tree hugger is bullshit. You know? He created the trees. He's better than the tree hugger. <laughs> but um, John wants to divide everybody. He doesn't want anybody coming together on that. And I know that they would say, well, the Republic I'm not Republican. And this is in part because I don't want to play a part of the divisiveness. Oh, uh, Michael A. Uh, Wood, sorry. Anyway, <clears throat> so he really didn't like Jesse, or at least he didn't seem like he liked Jesse Lee Peterson on there. He was on his show, and then he went on and was, did this whole other interview where they got it got pretty heated on Michael A. Wood's part. And I didn't like him, and I talked about it. I talked about it. But then he come back, and he had admitted that like he had changed a lot. I guess maybe it was two years ago at the Politicon, um, Jesse Lee, uh, he said that he saw Jesse Lee Peterson and he said, you know, I'd spent some time with Black Lives Matter and they're unprincipled and they are, they are not who they say they are. Same with the liberal left side, they're, they're liars. Um, he said, you know, when it came to the, the Kavanaugh case, it just really was the last thing that I could stand about them. They were going to throw that man under the bus, no, no evidence whatsoever, no anything. It was just to get their way. And he said, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I, and he was liberal. He was a liberal leftist. He's still an atheist. And this, and again, when it comes to him, you know what? Okay. You don't believe that there's enough evidence to believe in God. Okay. I do. That's just, we're going to differ on that. I don't think that we need to divide each other. Let's go hang out and let's talk about other shit. That's cool. You know, let's have a beer. And, and by the way, let me point this out, okay, because I really didn't like him. I am so thoroughly impressed by him. And I don't want to say like, oh, he had to change his ways for me to be impressed. That's not what I'm saying. I know what it's like to go from supporting the Iraq war, stepping back. And this is kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum. Stepping back and going, I don't support that. I cannot support that any longer. You know, and then having to eat crow and having to talk to people who, you know, I did support George Bush at that time. I never again. Um, and oh, how much time I got? I got about five minutes. And so I know what it's like to have to eat crow, to switch or to change your views. And, and that's what I'm so thoroughly impressed by is that, yes, I believe that he's, he made the right decision and the right choice, and it's, it's, where, and it's what I support too, but for him to do that is such a, a leap going forward of, I mean, it's difficult. It's just, you're gonna lose friends. Uh, you know that the liberal left, the, and by the way, uh, he supports Trump, and I'm not saying he's his biggest fan, but he supports him as president, he likes a lot of the shit. He acknowledges, um, and it's not everything, but he that he likes. But he acknowledges the successes. He acknowledges where he's really good at, at being president, which he is. Stop being afraid to say it. I love Trump. I love that he's in there. Do I love everything about him? No. Do I agree with everything he does? No. But he and Michael A. Wood even said this. He is exactly what America needed. Right then, right there. There were so many elections where Mitt Romney and, and whoever else, um, 
I can't think of his other name, um, that were that were the most good guy guys that you could ever come up with, and they got beat up. And then you had Donald Trump, who was kind of one of them, who came out and said, you're not getting away with talking shit to me, because I'm going to fucking talk it right back, and we're going to get at it. You know? And that's what they got a problem with. They want, they want to beat up on their opponents. The left does. Well, you're dividing right now. No, I'm telling you where the source of divide, division is. Okay? I'm not a Republican. Which means that I can sit back and I can say that both parties are ridiculous. However, I also... Do I need to go that way? Oh, man, I really hope I'm taking the right, the right way. Oh, fuck me, I'm not. Uh, I didn't know where I was. Oh, maybe I did. Maybe I'm going to end up where I need to be. No! Oh! Curve. Um, but Donald Trump was exactly what we needed. And, um, and so, I mean, he really impressed me. And uh, it, it, it made... It, it was a part of what made my day that day was seeing this guy who they became friends. And he pointed out like Jesse Lee Peterson was exactly as he is on air to him. And he was so he was warm and kind behind the scenes when the when the cameras weren't on. And he said, that's the biggest difference is all these bullshitters, the Young Turks. I don't think he said the Young Turks, but I, the Young Turks are the, one that's, the ones that put it on and all that. He was saying, yeah, all the liberal left, man, when the cameras are on, they are totally different people. When they're off, they want nothing to do with you. They are, they are Mr. I'm important and all this other shit. Well, it makes sense because they don't believe in God. They don't have God. They are the most important thing in their universe. Um, but he was like, you know, you came up to me. You treated me like a friend. You treated me kindly. And he said, I just can't thank you enough for, for being that to me. And, and uh, I mean, it was just... It was so nice seeing two people who at one point were truly, and to, and to this day, they don't agree on everything, but to be against each other or to, to, to have such differences, and especially at one point, and then see them together as friends. It was, and I know this sounds corny. You know what? Go fuck yourself. I don't give a shit. It was, you know when I talk shit about Andrew Lincoln, uh, who plays Rick on... Um, the Walking Dead that I, I, I probably will never watch again because it's, it's so fucking gay. Um, and I mean that as in lame. Um, and then, of course, now I'm going to bring up this next point, which is only going to make it sound like I'm gay bashing. The Walking Dead is just the worst. It's, it's got... They're, they're taking off the main characters. They're fucking up the whole story. It's just... Uh, they killed off Carl. It's just so bad now, dude. It's It's... And that's what I mean by it. It's fucking gay. Okay. Now, on to the next part. When Andrew, when Andrew Garfield, or I'm sorry, Andrew Lincoln talked about the two guys, the two gay guys kissing and said that that was a beautiful thing, a beautiful scene. Um, I would say that seeing, and not, not in a gay way, but seeing Jesse Lee Peterson and Michael A. Wood Jr., uh, have that last interview, that was a beautiful thing. That's what you want to see. It's no longer divisiveness. It's, 
these are two guys that, sure, they may disagree on some stuff. They certainly agree on some stuff now. But they're friends. They're, they're, they're able to not be so divided and actually want to work together to make things better for people. That's beautiful. That's what beauty is. And yes, we are our brother's keeper. And I believe that those two guys... I don't know where I was, uh, where I ended on that last one. I think I'm right where I need to be. Mm. But, um, what was I talking about? Oh, um, it was the Michael A. Wood, Michael A. Wood and Jesse Lee Peterson interview. Um, The Walking Dead, where Andrew Lincoln, um, was talking about the two gay guys kissing as being a beautiful scene. Uh, and I've, and I've shit on that because it's, that, that was forced and that's what's going on with the walking dead. They're forcing ridiculous shit on you, including bad writing. All right. Killing off the main characters. I don't get how you could ever think that killing off main characters is some way, somehow, some way, a good thing to do, a good idea, but it's not. (laughs) Let me tell you, uh, the only people that can ever get away with that is going to be great game of Thrones because it was an entire book made that way. Okay, you're going off of a graphic novel in which, uh, and uh, in which both the main character and his son are still alive on it. Okay, so you guys are you guys are, are really deviating so far off the pass, um, and you're, now you're forcing in all of these liberal leftist bullshit propaganda things that your writing just sucks. That's what I. If you heard me say that uh, it's gay, The Walking Dead is gay. That's what I meant. It's lame. So anyway, but Andrew Lincoln talking about that scene, um, I absolutely disagree with. However, the Michael A. Wood, I don't know if I said this at the end, which is why I'm saying it again. Jesse Lee Peterson, Michael A. Wood, last interview, that was beautiful. That was a beautiful thing. And I don't mean that in a gay way. And I know it sounds corny, but you know what? Go fuck yourself. Um, I mean, it was beautiful because you have people that are no longer divided all right they made it they may disagree but i believe that both are looking to further help people jesse lee peterson is doing shit for the black community that the entire dnc can't i shouldn't say can't doesn't and not only that he's fixing what they broke He's fixing what the DNC broke. The DNC wants you to stay poor. I also like listening to Dinesh D'Souza. In the, well, even Owen Wilson. I mean, I really do like the, the uh, conspiracy theory videos first. You know, those are like, those are the best to have as kind of background noise when I'm writing. But Dinesh, I, I was uh, listening to a couple of his speeches this weekend. And um, he's just awesome. He's so much fun. And... Uh, Shit, what was I going to say? Fuck. I forgot. There goes my train of thought. I'm in Toledo today. Just to let you know, if you're ever in Toledo, literally go the speed limit. Only go five over if you ever do. This fucking place is motherfucking ridiculous. I hope that Toledo uh, people are listening to me. Like, uh cops and the the, uh, the municipalities, fuck you guys, okay? Your cops are nothing but fucking venue, or the venue? 
Uh, fuck. I was going to make a really good point, and now maybe that's God slapping me down a little bit. Revenue generators. That's what it is. I had a fucking cop. Now listen, I'm not shitting on, I'm not trying to shit on all cops. I'm shitting on Toledo cops because of this exact thing. I had a cop hit me with the radar gun. The radar gun? Yeah, the speed, the, yeah, speed radar, whatever. And uh, hit me with his laser. I guess I was speeding by a little less than, a little less than 10 because I was coming down from I think it's 65 to 55. So I was coming down. He hit me with it. I was speeding. Okay, whatever. Everybody else was too. And I know this because I looked it up on on their uh, on all the the talking boards and all that shit, the chat boards, whatever, for Toledo. And there, I am not the only one by a large margin. So I'm speeding. Guess what happened? They send me a ticket in the mail. You know what he didn't do? He didn't get in his fucking car and come and get me and tell me to slow down, which is his fucking job. He hit me with the radar gun and then put my name, well, my license at that point, into his little stupid faggot-ass computer and then sent me a fucking ticket. So, and they are, I mean, it's, I've had a couple of tickets here where every time I come down here, except for now, because I go the fucking speed limit, um, so to the point where like, it's illegal if you don't go with the flow of traffic. Okay. That is illegal. But you know what? If I'm still getting tickets, which is what happened the last time, if I'm still getting a ticket by going with the flow of traffic, fuck that. I will, I will do the limit. I will do the absolute speed limit because these people are so fucked up here. So there's my little rant on uh, Toledo, on this shitty-ass city. Anyway, um, where was I going with all that? Divisiveness. Yeah, don't be divisive. It was beautiful for Jesse Lee Peterson and Michael A. Wood to to see them as 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 friends, you know, to see two people who reversed it. They they didn't they quit dividing each other. Not that they were dividing each other, but they quit being divided. And more, it's more on on uh, on Michael A. Wood for making that change. But it, it they 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 weren't divide they weren't divided anymore, and that and that's a big part of what I'm talking about is that we are so divided, and that's the way that they want it. Who's they? The Illuminati, the New World Order, whatever you want to call it. Okay, the the rhinos, the the Democrats that the, like Hillary Clinton that in Barack Obama that ten years ago eight years ago, whatever, were talking about how we need to close up the border. You can't just let anybody in. And then next thing you know, they're wanting to grant amnesty to illegals. Oh, well, they just changed their mind. They saw they had a they had an epiphany and they said, no, that's not it at all. It wasn't until 2013 that uh, 
Hillary Clinton realized that she had to fucking jump on the gay wagon. Because up until that point, she was all about saying that marriage was a sacred institution defined by one man and one woman. And then now she's talking about how gay marriage is the best. You know, same-sex marriage is the best and all this. I mean, it's more than, she says more than that, but I'm seriously paraphrasing um, as I watch my speed. Just a little more on the Toledo thing. Uh, it's all the way down to fucking 50, okay? <laughs> like, that's how obnoxious it is. So do not go above 55 in the areas where it says 50. If it's 55, don't go higher than 60. If it's 60, don't go higher than 65. Of course, this motherfucker wants to race me, my blind spot. But uh, that's how obnoxious it is. And that's, the, that's another fucking problem I have with all of Ohio. The vast majority of their, their speed limits on this fucking highway are 65, you, you fucking back-ass word highway speed limit people anyway and that's not all of Ohio it's just the fucking what is it the road commission is that who it is no yeah the road commission or whatever the equivalent is but uh, if you look at it I mean look at how divided things are now I do not agree with Ben Shapiro that, well, maybe I do agree with him, where he believes that our life today, like the poor people's lives today are better than, you know, the middle class 30 years ago. I think that people like me and even the, the, the left, the hard left, tend to look at where we are politically, where we are mentally in the, in the sense of being divided and we are more divided now than we have been in a long time I'll say that again I, I look back at the the inquisitions I look back at at history where politicians excuse me would have their their opponents killed and although somebody may make the case for, uh, about Hillary Clinton and Seth Rich and shit like that, uh, <laughs> which I guess I would too. Um, overall, I I uh, I don't think we're at that level. But then again, the DNC is fucking evil. You know, we're get we're certainly getting there, and like I said, we're we're worse today than we have been in a very very long time. So, oh, finally, where I need to be. I planned on waking. I woke up at six. Uh, I put my phone in my front room, and my wife kicked me out of bed to go get my phone. And then I hit snooze and went to sleep on the. Thanks for that loud truck. Um, hit snooze and went back to sleep. And didn't wake up till eight. <laughs> um, But no, I mean, I, I think that, no, I, not that I think, I know that. They want us divided because it's easier to garner power. It's easier to um, roll us over when we're divided. And we're divided on 
on fucking most shit. Where I feel that as an independent and as somebody who approaches things from the angle that I do of saying, okay, well, I'm not just going to listen to Alex Jones. I like Alex Jones. And I've listened to him for so long. I've checked him out so long. Um, Same with Dinesh D'Souza uh, and people like them that I can trust them. Ron Paul, I I feel that I can trust them because I have researched their shit. I have heard what they had to say and I took the other side and what they said and anybody in between. Um, And and what I mean by that is like Peter Joseph, when he was talking about um, uh, Horace and the parallels between Christ, uh, I, I ended up listening to Egyptologists. I, I believe that's their name. Uh, people who studied Egyptian mythology as well as Egyptian history. And uh, these guys didn't have a dog in a fight. Okay? They, didn't, they weren't one way or the other. They, they just studied what, um, what history was for the Egyptians. And um, Peter Joseph was coming at, a, at an angle to attack Christianity. And then I would obviously have the Christian church, the Catholic church and, and Protestant Christians who would be coming from the other angle. Well, the ones in the middle are the ones that don't have really a dog in the fight. They just studied Egyptian history and said, this is just what it is. We're not trying to attack Christianity. We're not trying to do anything like that. And then they were the ones that were saying, Horace was not born of a virgin. Uh, Horace did not have 12 disciples. Horace was not crucified. He did not stay dead for only three days. He was not resurrected. Okay, so it's not that I'm taking the, the Christian argument in it. I'm taking somebody who has nothing to do with anything and seeing what they said and, and going with that. So, and that's, that's what I would argue for anybody to do. And I believe that going, coming from that approach, and yeah, in some areas, I'm going to have a, a bias. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to like Christianity or I'm going to hope that this is right. But I know that if it's not, if Christianity isn't true, then I'm wasting my time. So having that as, and having the truth be my guiding light, be my guiding star, it will lead me past my uh, my biases. You see what I mean? Like, you see what I'm saying? It's it's not. It's purposely saying. You know what? I'm just gonna. Listen. It's like why I listen to. Um, they have a lot of videos on YouTube about Christ being a myth, and it's really all the same. It's they're all saying the same shit. It's it's really no different than what Peter Joseph was saying and Acharya S and Madame Blavatsky and all of that. <clears throat> so, but I make myself listen to it to see if I can hear any other argument, you know, to say, okay, well, even though I believe, even though I've galvanized my faith, how about just keep checking, you know, keep double checking and, and triple checking and quadruple checking and checking as many times as I need to, you know, because you don't, you don't want to believe in a lie. So it's, it's an ongoing process. I have faith that Christ did exist, God does exist, it does exist, that Christ is God, but it's just, a, it's just how I approach things now. And I believe that doing it from that, approaching it from that angle, 
excuse me, like I do, is the best way that even if you have biases, that you can come up with the truth. Um, and in doing so, and in being an independent, it's a, it's a less divisive way of, of, uh, of looking at things and, and trying to really uncover what the truth actually is. And it would be what I would argue for people to do. <clears throat> As I finally find a parking spot. Where I'm not going to get a ticket by a lesbian. Um, but I want to see less division. And I, and, and I think that coming from the unique angle that I come from and, and seeing the, the, the things that I have and, and understanding the things that I do, that I have a pretty unique perspective to say the left are the ones that are dividing everyone. It's not to say that the right doesn't have some people in there that are doing it, but it's primarily the left, especially with identity politics. Do some on the right do that? Yeah, and I don't like that, and I will always call that out. But overwhelmingly, it's the left that is pushing identity politics. It's the left that is constantly um, being racist, you know? As I've said before, under before Barack Obama got in there, I believed that we were so fucking close to getting rid of racism before people would stop um, judging people based off of their skin color, you know, based off of where they came from and all that other shit. It was more to do with how do you think, what decisions do you make? Because you can, you can judge somebody based off of their actions. That idea that, oh, no, only God can judge me, that's a load of shit. If you murder somebody, I can judge you as a murderer. If you sell drugs, you're a drug dealer. If you sell your body, you're a prostitute. Those are actions, and we can judge those, and we should judge those. Because if you don't, you're a naive dumbass who's only going to end up um, getting in some seriously bad shit. You're going to be rolled over. You might be fucking killed. You know, It is not a smart thing to just keep going, Oh, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt all the time. People are not inherently bad, and they're not inherently good. Everybody, every single person has a very high capacity of doing good and bad. They have a high capacity of doing bad, high capacity of doing good. And that's where you can really tell the character of somebody, is when they consistently and constantly choose to do the right thing. Religious people tend to have an, another level to that, where they answer to a god, where they answer to a higher power, i.e. morality, and it causes them to not be human, be as human, okay? Because humans tend to be kind of bad people. They tend to, and I don't, I, you know what? Let me take that back. Not that they tend to be bad people. They tend to be selfish. Because if there's no God, as I've said before, why do you give a shit about morality? You don't have a higher power. Everything's subjective at that point. If there's no higher power, there's no foundation for your morality. Why do you give a fuck? Everything's going to die in a cold death eventually. Nothing will matter. There will be no purpose to life. Why do you give a shit about morality? You would just maximize pleasure, minimize pain. And then it makes sense to understand people that, that would do really fucked up things and not really have 
any any strong character. It makes sense because they don't believe in God. I mean, you want them to believe in God. I believe that God exists. I want them to believe in God. I want them to go to heaven. I want them to be good people. <clears throat> but it would make sense, obviously, if they didn't believe in God, why they do the fucked up things that they do. And this idea that like Christians only hang out with other Christians and we don't see what what anybody else does is a load of shit. I mean, I've only, I, the vast majority of, as I've said before, the vast majority of my friends um, have been um, atheist. They've been left-leaning. I know I've told the story about my one friend who uh, asked me about how I was going to raise my kids, if I was going to raise them to believe that homosexual acts were uh, bad. And I said, well, I'm going to raise them to believe that it was it's a sin. And they were just so beside themselves about that and didn't want to even recognize that they were going to be teaching their kids something that I thought was bad, but that I was okay with them. I thought that they were stupid for doing so. However, I'm okay with them. You know, you can only, you can only be an influence to somebody, a, a, be an example to somebody. You can't force somebody to be like you. And stop being their friend, although I have talked about rooting people out of your life that are only going to drag you down and bring you down, but she wasn't one of those people. She wasn't necessarily going to try and drag me down and bring me down to a, a lower level and, and, and all that. We just disagreed. You know, she was actually, I knew that she was a good person. I believe that I can say that as she may, well, she didn't, yeah, she didn't believe in God. She believed in angels, which I've, I've never understood. But she is influenced. She grew up from day one, from being born into a society that was founded off of Judeo-Christian Western values. And it's the argument that Ben Shapiro makes against Sam Harris is saying, you may believe that there's no such thing as God and that you somehow, some way came up with these morals, but you were heavily influenced. You were raised, as you say about people with, with religion, although Sam Harris is wrong about this, um, that you're heavily influenced by this religion. And that's where you get these founding morality, this, this founding morality. Sam Harris and the pretentious four make the argument, along with Lawrence Krauss, that you're just Christian because you were raised in, in the United States or in a Western country. And that people are just Muslim in the Middle East because they were, they were raised in a, in a place that was predominantly Muslim or predominantly Hindu or predominantly Buddhist. To some degree, that is kind of correct. The difference is when you have people, and there's a lot of people like this. There's a lot of people like this. And Sam Harris, well, at least a lot of Sam Harris's friends are actually some of these people that make my point for me. Is that at one point they were Catholic or they were Christian or Muslim and now they're atheist. Jank uh, Yerger, he was Muslim when he was younger and then he became an atheist. I was an atheist slash agnostic up until I was about 15. And then I went through the doors of the church and I, I heard the, the voice of God and I became a Catholic. Also through researching. And I even went through losing my faith and then coming back to it. And there's a lot of people with those kinds of stories. And I mean a lot of people that were Christian and are no longer Christian or, or atheist, no longer atheist. 
Muslim, Christian, Christian, Muslim, whatever it may be. So that doesn't necessarily, it isn't the, the end-all be-all. It's not the, um, man, what is that, that point? That uh, saying, not the end, it's, it's essentially saying not end-all be-all. Um, man, I got a sore throat. But anyway, um, no, just because you're raised in a certain area doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to, you're going to grow up that way. You know, it's like, it's, it's like a black sheep. I even asked my uncle this the other day because I, I started talking with my father again, um, after a year and a half, we've had a, a pretty, is it called tumultuous, tumultuous, tumultuous. Yeah. We've had a pretty rough go at it the last couple of years. And, uh, he and I hadn't talked in a year and a half and, um, we finally talked. So that was pretty good last Friday. So that was pretty good. Um, and I feel better about it. And I talked to my uncle about it. And I even asked him, I go, you know, am I the black sheep of this family? And he was like, well, I think you're a little gray. And it, was a, it wasn't an insult. It was a pretty honest answer to my question. And I was happy. I was okay with it. It's like, yeah, I think I am pretty gray. You know? Because, uh, and, and that's another point, is that you, you, have, you have that. You have that, that whole name. It's the, the black sheep of the family. Somebody who's going to be different from everyone else, even though they were raised the same exact way. You're going to experience different situations growing up. And as I say about desire, you develop your desires by experiencing situations growing up. You know? And no two people are going to experience the same exact way. Even if you were raised the same you know, this is why you have some people that that um, grow up to, I don't know, maybe like dressing in women's clothing when they're men or maybe grow up gay or whatever. Now, I also have the argument of the vast majority of gay people have been molested. How about that for this idea that you're born that way? The vast majority of people who are gay, who are homosexual or at least, yeah, no, homosexual, just flat out, were molested. Or raped. Look into that. You know? So, anywho. Um, and it's not to say that everybody that's molested turns out gay. Obviously, I didn't. But um, but for the gay community. And, by the way, they, they force, they really, and this is where when I talk about um, the problem in the Catholic Church. Now, I believe it has to do a lot more with... Uh, a purposeful evil. There is something evil happening. Uh, and it's not. It's obviously not just in the Catholic Church. Now, other people will say, oh, it's just the Catholic Church. And then you got to remind them, well, what about Hollywood? Hollywood has a serious pedophilia thing going on. But the Catholic Church, obviously, is, is um, at the for forefront of people's memory about what's going on with them. And the, um, the clergy members abusing children anywhere and I, I'm, I know I've said this before but anywhere that you have um, adults that have authority over children and for an extended period of time you have these same numbers any institution any group whatever you have these same numbers of adults abusing children it's not just the Catholic Church it doesn't make it okay right anybody that hurts a kid I believe needs to die that's what I believe okay 
include absolutely including the Catholic Church. As you've heard me say before, I want to purge the Catholic Church of all of these bad people. I want to purge them out of Christianity altogether. Why? Because we are supposed to be holier than now. This should never happen to us. But man has free will. If we didn't have free will, love wouldn't be real. We'd all be robots. Okay? God has to allow it to happen in order for all of us to have free will. God has never caused us to be different. Okay, And what I mean by that is he's never forced our thoughts. He's never manipulated our thoughts in order to be a certain way. Um, he's, he maybe manipulated other uh, stimulus, you know, other things, maybe the weather or, or how things happened or how, where a bullet went or whatever it may be, but he's never manipulated our thoughts, you know. Um, because it's not real. And every one of us was made in his image. Every one of us. <clears throat> and in order to have free will, he needs to allow us to do what we want to do. Which is anything. right? You want to go touch a blade of grass. You want to go turn on your car. You want to jump up and down. You want to cuss. You want to scream. You want to not say anything at all. We need that free will. And that is not determinism. Determinism is a fucking joke. Same with uh, relativism. So anyway, I got to get to work. Um, be accountable. Be responsible. <coughs> don't be, don't be a liberal. <coughs>